This is the Cash Value Solutions Podcast, where your hosts, Jason Polmeyer and Kyle Mann, shed light on little-known money truths to help you take control of your financial future and become your own banker. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and check us out at CashValueSolutions.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Cash Value Solutions Podcast this week. Um, Kyle and I have another topic we want to share with you guys, so you want to lead us off? Yeah, we're going to talk about how being consistent is oftentimes more profitable than selling at the top. Yeah, and not to mention, how hard is it to sell at the top? Almost impossible. <laughs> Easy to see it in hindsight, but yeah. Once I sell, then wait, and then you're gonna hit the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So this uh, this topic slightly comes from a two day conference that Kyle and I went to, that was taught by Doug Ferguson. That we have to remember that we don't have to hit a market top. We can make more by paying attention and selling for less if we've done our homework right in the beginning. Okay. Um, where he was applying this to was looking at relationships of animals and seeing what's overvalued and what's undervalued. So when you do that, you can buy in on, on animals that are undervalued. You can hold them, grow them up to, a, up to a larger animal. And once they become overvalued, remember you have to be looking at the market. You have to be consistent to make, be able to do this. You can then sell an animal without hitting the market top, but making more than those people that weren't paying attention and are trying to hit a market top. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that's a little bit foreign, but um, I know it probably doesn't make perfect sense in, in that little explanation that I gave. But I think Kyle and I can relate this back to IBC for you guys. Well, yeah. Also, you know, when we go into the stock market, we're worried about getting the 8, 10, 12% rates of return consistently because we also know that the stock market isn't going to go up all the time. So we're going to have losses. We could have 10, 20% losses. So we need high returns to make up for those high um, negative losses. Well, with IBC, it's consistent. It doesn't lose money. So it, we don't need to hit the high rate of return no. Just to be able to be equivalent with this thing. It doesn't need to return 8% because um, to make sense to do. It doesn't, I mean, right now what we're looking at, any, depending on health, age, all that stuff, you're going to be somewhere between 2 and 6%, which is a little bit of a range. But even at 2%, like, it's consistent, and you can use that, you know that money's going to be there to then be used to buy other things that are going to make you 20%, 30%. I mean, Doug in his class... He bakes at least a 20% return into all of his break-evens. I mean, 20% rate of return? Who gives a crap about the stock market at that point? And not only is that baked into, he called it his break-profit cost of gain, all right? He's already baked in 20% profit. That's not just for his time, okay? He's paid himself a salary, and this is profit on Mm -hmm. top of that, okay? Oftentimes, he is hitting this... um, not every time, but oftentimes he's hitting this and adding more to that. Yeah. All right. That's why you have to get over the fact, um, and everybody has to do this in their own way. You're going to have to think about this, you know, on your own and see how you can apply this to your life. But w- regardless of what the policy is doing, that is 
that is really small potatoes in regards to what it will allow you to do. Sure. Um, you know, just the, what, what, what is the fact of having liquidity and being able to participate in something that allows you to make 20, 30, 40%, you know, Mm -hmm. once you become educated about it. I mean, that, that totally outweighs what the policy is doing, but the policy is allowing you to do that. Yes. That's what I think many people don't see is the policy is giving you the ability to do that. I, I often equate this for myself um, because, I mean, everybody has their own way and applies IBC to their life in their own way, okay? You're going to read Nelson's book, but that doesn't mean you're going to apply IBC exactly how Nelson does. And we don't believe that it has to. I know some people die on that hill of it has to be exactly how Nelson Nash or whatever, who what the, in, the Infinite Banking Institute, whatever they're saying, you know, we understand that we talk about it all the time. Infinite banking is also about one size solutions don't work for everybody. Absolutes. We've we would, talked about that all the time. But also we would not be here today talking about this stuff if Nelson Nash, you know, wouldn't have introduced it to everybody. Yeah, we we're just applying it to a way that fits into our specific situation. Kyle and I have talked about this all the time. We are willing to use other people's money, even if it's the bank's money, if we are able to generate cash flow in our lives. Mm-hmm. All right. Our policies are nowhere near big enough to finance everything that we want to do. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of a tangent that we're getting on, but we, we've talked about how like the last couple of years, you know, getting our own operations started and things like that. Um, if we would have foregone the bank's money and just went with the money capital that we had available, we would have missed out on staggering amounts of money. I mean, it it would have made absolutely... Of dollars that we returned to ourselves. Yes. We're talking about. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It would have been impossible to do with just IBC alone because we have not capitalized long enough to just use IBC. And we also have cheap money. Yeah. It, and don't get us wrong. It's not the fact that we aren't paying substantial premium because we are paying, you know, as much premium as we possibly can into these policies. It's just the fact that we just learned about this in 2018 or 2019, okay? We haven't been capitalizing for very long. Mm -hmm. Not that we haven't been trying to, we just haven't been doing it for very long, all right? Kyle and I also look at the fact that, you know, using other people's money in the correct way allows you to make what would take you 20 years, you could potentially accomplish in three years, for instance, just by using it effectively in your life. And also, I mean, a lot of people say, you know, you shouldn't buy liabilities with other people's money. But we also don't agree with that necessarily because if you can get money for 2 3%, even on a vehicle, if you can get money that cheap, why would you put your cash up, up on that, you know, pay that thing off right away, when then you could potentially buy something that's going to return you 10 15 20 30%. Absolutely. I... I mean, you just got to apply it to your scenario. And that's what Kyle and I do in our lives. That's what we try to help our clients do. Mm-hmm. We, try to, we try to help people realize you may not go to your policy for every financing need that you have in your life, okay? That's we fine. We don't. 
So don't don't get stuck on that hill. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, getting back to what I was saying though, um, in my own life and how I've I've looked at this, you know, the policy returns this much. I could do these other things that um, you know, aren't guaranteed, but maybe six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent, whatever it is, you know, every everybody has their own number. Mm-hmm. Um but my thing is that those things are they're a different type of asset. The thing that's different is they are volatile. They can go up in value and they can go down in value. They can go up 30, 40, 50% in a year. Yep. But they can also go down that same amount sure. in a year. All right. So for me, how much of my money, my cash, am I willing to put in something like that? For me, it's not a high percentage. 20% would be a lot for me. Okay. Whereas with an IBC system, the, the system is guaranteed to go nowhere but up. Does not have the earning potential that those things have. Mm-hmm. But it gives me access to it, whereas those limit some access. And I am not worried about losing money. So I am willing to put as many of my dollars into that as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. And I realize that by having a bigger pool of money, okay, say I was willing to put 20% of my money, which would be, I would not be, but say I was into this thing, say that was $10,000 for this example, and say I was willing to put as much money as I possibly could into the IBC plan. Let's say that's um, 50000 okay? Five times as much. If you are earning, call it somewhere between 3 and 5%, consistently year in year out on that 50,000 versus uh you know a potential of 8% you know over a 30 40 year time span which i i personally believe is pretty lofty mm-hmm. what is going to net you more money it's the one that that you have $50,000 in you're going to get more absolute dollars even though the rate of return is lower mm-hmm. okay and i'm consistent about this I keep putting money in. I keep paying premium in. I'm not stopping and going. I'm doing this every single year. All right. And I am using the liquidity that this has given me to take advantage of opportunities in my life. Last year, it was land. This year, I am going to make a a very hard effort to get into some type of of cattle business Mm -hmm. because I believe I can generate a lot of cash flow with that. Mm -hmm. And... While your money was in the stock market and you wanted to start this new cattle venture, you would have to pull it all out of the stock market where then it is not returning you anything. Or it, when you wanted to get started, the market is down and then you lost money. You know, It just adds another layer of, what's the right word here? Um, complexity. Complexity or even like hesitation, I think, on my part because if I am... Sure, I you know, I'm I'm educating myself to the best I can to be successful in this cattle marketing strategy that I want to implement, but if at the same time part of my financial plan is taking a a market downturn, this is hypothetical guys, okay? Mm-hmm. Just but just listen here. Um is taking a market downturn, that's going to cause hesitation in the cattle thing because it's new to me. All right? So you have to these things are variables that we can't put on an illustration of a whole life insurance policy. 
These are things that you have to think through on your own. You have to see that this is allowing you to do other things that generate a far higher return than the whole life policy does. Sure. And and I'll be completely honest. I I think the whole life policies are competitive because of the dollars that they allow you to use over your lifetime versus the other system. Yeah. And tax efficiency. Sure. Um so I'm not trying to downplay and, and make it sound like the whole life's insurance policy isn't good. I wouldn't be putting my money there if I thought that. It's just not as flashy. It's there you go. It's not as flashy. So moral of the story here is by paying attention to what you um to what it is that you want to do and being consistent, you can do more by taking less, whether that's less rate of return or less potential um to hit a market top, okay? Mm-hmm. But by paying attention to what you're doing and your strategy, you can generate more dollars. More cash even flow. Even though you aren't hitting top of the top of markets. And more than likely, less stress. Less stress? I mean, at the end of the day, what is more important? Is it the absolute dollars that you are generating in your system, or is it the rate of return that you can figure in all this stuff? Well, most people would want you to believe that it's the rate of return. I mean, that's what... If that wasn't so, we wouldn't be so stuck as a nation on rate of return. Yeah. What does every marketing brochure come with? It's all, yeah. Expect this rate of return. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. You you have to be able to look past that for IBC to make sense to you. It's a false god. The rate of return? Yeah. Absolutely. Because it's not the ultimate no. thing in your life. Um. I don't know. I, I hope this makes sense and like helps you to draw some conclusions about IBC. This is probably more for people that are like on the fence, on the hill, don't know if they should or shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Maybe this helps give you some guidance about why you would implement IBC. This podcast probably isn't for somebody just starting out, you know, looking into this to, you know, mm-hmm. help them. But it's a different perspective. It, it's so. a different perspective. And one that, I think applies in the real world all the time. Oh, sure. Yeah. So with all, especially with all the noise out there. Yeah. And I, and I related this a lot to something that I want to do again. That's just, it's my paradigm. So apply it to yours, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. That, that's all I got, Kyle. Anything else you want to say? No. uh, Thanks for tuning in again this week, guys. And we'll be back next week with a new podcast. All right. This was the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Check us out at cashvaluesolutions.com. And don't forget to tune in next week.